It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome into a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. We'll get to some summer league takeaways and the Kawhi Leonard situation later on. But first, with the sign-and-trade that will usher in the Myers-Leonard era in Miami, and I guess Jimmy Butler too, the Heat still have some moves to make. Most notably, they will need to get first get below the hard salary cap that's just shy of $139 million. Now they could go about this in a couple of different ways, David. By waving and stretching Ryan Anderson, that's one way. That would put the team on the hook for $5 million payments in each of the next three seasons. Or they could try to trade Goran Dragic, which was the original intent in that deal. And by trading Goran Dragic into cap space somewhere else, they would also get below that hard tax. Which scenario do you think is most likely? Well, honestly, I mean, it's interesting that you kind of phrase it as likely because... I think both scenarios are actually likely. I think they'll probably engage in both moves. Like, I, I don't know that Ryan Anderson is a player worth keeping. And at the same time, once they've already made public the fact that they were looking to trade Goran Dragic, I don't know that they can kind of repair that relationship. Like, from Goran's perspective, I'm sure that he's fine with it. I'm sure that he was probably open to the idea of joining fellow countryman Luka Doncic on the Dallas Mavericks roster. Um uh, you know, there's still the possibility, I think, of him being moved to the Los Angeles Lakers, as we've heard, if they are not able to sign Kawhi Leonard. But at the same time, why wouldn't they explore both? Now, to, from my perspective, I don't think that's the right scenario. I think they need Goran Dragic, given how this roster is currently configured. They're going to need some backup scoring, and I think he still provides that. We've talked about the starting lineup before that will probably feature... Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler and Justice Winslow and maybe a couple other players that are coming in, maybe Tyler Hero. But at the same time, I think Goron provides a kind of stability off the bench that you're looking for. And I think they should keep him. I think they should explore trying to keep him. But at the same time, as they're trying to get under the cap, I understand the, the reasoning behind it. And I don't see why they wouldn't explore both moves. Because I think the, the Anderson decision... That's pretty much firmly, I think, moved on. Uh, yeah, the, think, on, the only decision you really have to make with Ryan Anderson is whether or not you just wave him outright. Or you right. wave and stretch that that salary cap hit for the next three seasons, and that's, I, 
if you wave Ryan Anderson outright, it doesn't get the heat below that hard cap. Right. Um, Which is now why they could he's do that and make another move. Yes. If you can make a subsequent move of trading James Johnson or Kelly Olynyk or Deion Waiters into space, and you do the Ryan Anderson thing, that that would get them under the hard cap. But that's harder now that you're talking about two moves. Well, I think it's harder to trade one of those guys as opposed to Dragic. And and you can always make the yes. Ryan Anderson decision, like you were saying. Like you, it looks like they're going to make that decision. It's just how like what does that look like? Do they just wave it and just take you know swallow that pill just this one time, or or do they again stretch out that salary cap hit for the next three years? And you don't necessarily want to do that if you're the Heat because now you're on the line for five million dollar payments in the next three years. Mm-hmm. That's eating into future cap space. Mm-hmm. And after this Jimmy Butler trade. You kind of need that cap space. He's gonna he's gonna be making upwards of uh, over thirty million dollars for the rest of this contract. Yeah, it, it's not the it's not the best scenario, uh, and, and it's fortunately, look, Miami has to their credit. You know, we've been critical of them over the past couple of months, maybe even longer than that. Um, certainly, leading up to this free agency period, you know, both of us were pretty critical that they hadn't engaged in any kind of trade talks prior to the draft. But I mean, they were able to move us on Whiteside. I mean, it was not. It was not the smoothest transition, but at the same time, they were able to move Whiteside's contract. So I, you look at Johnson, you look at Waiters, and I'm sure that they probably have explored trading either of those deals over trading Goran Dragic. I think the problem is, of course, Goran's you know, contract is expiring at the end of the season, so it's it's much more acceptable for a lot of teams to take that contract on rather than taking on Johnson or Waiters for the next couple of seasons. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure... Again, where do you stand on that? Because do you think it would be better to keep Goran on the roster given his scoring ability and the fact that he's comfortable with his system? I almost wonder if it would be... What would be the price of trading Goran Dragic now? Because the Heat don't really have any leverage. And Goran Dragic is a useful player. But the the report was that the, the Mavericks were going to take Goran Dragic and basically it was going to be a free agent signing for them. They weren't going to send right. out anything... They could just absorb Dragic right into cap space. And this is cap space, but by the way, they still have. Sure. Um, but the Heat well, weren't going to get an out asset for Danny for Green, him. right? I mean, that's the that's the, yeah, the talk that's... anyways that they're looking to sign Danny Green into that space. So, I don't know. If you hold on to Dragic now and trade him midseason, because ultimately yeah. I do think the Heat should trade him. He doesn't, I, I don't even know if he doesn't fit the window. I don't even know. What's the window now with Jimmy Butler? I don't know. But, well, he's yeah, but, but he's he's got there's one year left. Like, you wouldn't want to have Goran next season on a on a on a shorter term, lower in, impact deal, or or you just. At this I think point, you got to start moving those guys and try to start planning that path to the other All Star next to Jimmy Butler. And right. unfortunately, Dragic is just going to be too expensive. I, and, I, I, I get you. You know, you got to make room for guys like Tyler Hero and Justice Winslow to to handle the ball a little bit more too. But uh, I wonder if you if you trade Dragic today. You're probably not getting an asset back, and you might even have to part with an asset to do that. I don't even know what assets that would be anymore. But if you right. hold on to Dragic, at least to the trade deadline, you could potentially move him and get something back. So if you're the Heat, you have to ask that question. If we wave and stretch Ryan Anderson now, yeah, we're going to eat this cap hit for the next couple of years, but we also might be able to turn, we might be able to hold on to Dragic a little bit, turn him into a positive asset instead of kind of a neutral one right now. Right, and and get something back that might be worth that five million dollar hack. And I I don't know that they kind of have to do that calculus. But um, I do think I still sort of think that Dragic ends up in Dallas. 
because Danny Green, you mentioned his name. That's a, and and it seems like Dallas, the Lakers, and the Clippers. These are all the teams with cap space uh, that could still absorb Dragic. They're waiting on Kawhi, and Dallas has no chance at landing Kawhi, but they do have a chance at landing Danny Green. And Danny Green is waiting on Kawhi. So the teams with cap space are all waiting on Kawhi's decision. Right. One of these teams, and it sort of feels like the Heat are too, right? They're waiting on Kawhi's decision. We'll talk about what we think Kawhi is going to do later on in the show. But in an indirect way, there's a lot of teams waiting on Kawhi's decision in an indirect way. And one of those teams is the Heat too because whatever one of these teams don't get them, they could look at Dragic and be like, you know what? One year to him, it's not that bad considering everybody else that's on the market, which is basically no one. You know, now, so I, I remember in back in his Phoenix days, he had actually listed the the Lakers as a potential destination. I think it was the mm-hmm. Lakers, the Knicks, and right. the Heat. I think were his yeah. preferred destinations as far as the trade was concerned. I mean, that seems that's like right. almost an eternity ago, but yeah, that's what he was looking for. I, and I think that was you know Los Angeles at a different time period. I think they still had Kobe. Yeah, at that point in time, so that was a, that was a different world altogether. And I guess you know L.A. closer to to Slovenia. Um, a big market, you know, and a team that could have potentially re-signed him and, and given him the kind of big city life that he might like. So I wonder if you'd consider it. I mean, I, look, it's not his decision. I think Miami has shown that they want to do right by their players. Yeah, I think it's slightly his decision. I mean, obviously you're right. Like, if they get Kawhi, then he's not going to the Lakers. But it is a little bit because, like you're saying, that the Heat do want to do right by him. I think they feel bad about how all this went down. Right. And the Heat have done a, historically a good job of not trading... Like, they traded Whiteside to Portland. Now, I don't know how many other options there were, but Whiteside had established relationships with guys like Damian Lillard. So, um, you know, it's a place that he probably wants to be and that they can use him. After the Heat figure all this out, they'll still need to fill out the rest of the roster. They could do that with some of the summer leaguers and projects um, that they're looking at right now. And we'll talk about that later on. But, David, let me throw one name out there. DeMarcus Cousins. Now, there's been some rumors that Cousins could be a target for the Heat, and I'm hearing at Summer League in Sacramento from people close to Cousins that the Heat are a potential destination. That it's just not Twitter rumors, right? This isn't just like a Reddit thread. DeMarcus Cousins people seem to think that the Heat are a real possible destination, and that the interest, at least from Cousins' side, is very real. Now, with Whiteside gone, do you think that the Heat should consider signing Cousins, if they could get him for something like somewhere near the minimum? Well, now we should add... That cousin's side is changing daily. <laughs> Just earlier today, when we we're recording this, he, he fired his agent and moved on to Excel Schwartz, I believe, right. a new agency to handle him. That's the, uh, the, that's the Jeff Schwartz outfit, okay. and that is the uh, that's the agency now that has, I think, the most assets under management of any other um, any other uh, uh, company yeah. that deals with these things. So they're killing it right now. And I'll say this: it wasn't from his agent that was saying that. I don't want to, you know, but sure, it, no, it's, I, I it's somebody it. that is it's, did not get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons there. Like, I mean, I think I think Boogie is kind of in a moment of contemplation here, a little introspection, given how the past couple of years have played out. Obviously, folks in the Pelican side of things are still kind of angry about how it all played out. He was apparently offered a large deal right before. He hurt himself, and he was still offered a large deal, chose not to take it, elected to sign Golden State, obviously, and that didn't play out the way he had wanted for him. Um, you know, he was looking to get a the, the, the Warriors' side is sort of surprised. Like, they weren't going to bring back DeMarcus Cousins because they're transitioning right. into whatever this new thing is. Sure. They're pretty surprised that 
there is no market for him. They th- they think that he deserves at least a market, and uh, they I, liked what they well, saw. Well, that's a good year. starting point there. What 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 do you think is the problem here? Because you're well, you're yeah. right. I, I I feel the same way as the Warriors brass do, and I I think you feel the same way. I think most of our listeners probably are somewhere on the fence, but like to me, yeah, he might be going through some injury issues. He's still incredibly young he's still able to recover he probably will never be the player he was before but i don't know that explosiveness and or athleticism was such a big part of his game like he's a big bullying body but he's a hell of a passer he can shoot from the perimeter i mean i don't know that he necessarily needs to be an explosive leaper that's just never been his game and i think the although, issue was the issue was his mobility on defense i mean he just got torched in the playoffs well, in almost fair. every pick and roll situation and and, and the injury concerns are very anyway. real, and I think you know I think a lot of a lot of teams in the league were impressed that he fought back from that injury that he had, and that free, he fought back from the Achilles injury, number one, yeah. and then got and then tore his quad in the first round of the playoffs against the Clippers, yeah. and then yeah. fought back to make his way back to the NBA Finals. I think yeah. that impressed a lot of organizations around the league, but at the same time, he didn't look right, and the injury concerns are real. And as impressed as you could be with his work ethic and just wanting to be out there. There's two. If he can't play, it doesn't matter. And I do also think that there's a little bit of all right. Well, it was a contract year, and he wanted to prove that he was healthy. And would he still? Would he do that for us in different circumstances? I, and and I think that concern is real. Okay. But well, I, I can understand that. So back to your original question, as far as whether the Heat are, are, are interested mm. or should be interested, I like the pairing. I, I know there are concerns given. The fact that you just drafted Okpala, that you still have Olenek on the roster, that you're trying to figure out what Bam can do. He's not going to start. Cousins is not going to start. As much as he probably might, in his mind, deserve it, or as many people around the league might think that he should be a starter-level player, he needs to kind of work himself back into shape and, and prove it. And I don't know that he's going to be given any kind of assurance about a starting position. That's just not Miami's way, typically. Um, so to me, I think he's a good project and i think miami's had so much success well, if, if it, apparently miami's way is they'll tell you you're a starter and then trade you <laughs> that's that's apparently their new way of doing things yeah, as soon yeah. as pat riley says you're the starting something you're like all right better start packing <laughs> yeah goran yeah, and, and hassan both learned yeah. that the hard way but um you know i don't know I, I i think i think there's still skills there i think miami's training staff does a good job of players overall i think I think Cousins has shown that he's capable and willing to do the work, which I, I think that, that was a big knock on him in Sacramento. And I think that certainly appeals to Miami people. And I, I think there's also the ties to Kentucky, which, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Pat Riley spoke of when he was drafting Tyler Hero, too. And if you're making a play for, you know, Bradley Beal and you have to include John Wall somehow, there's been talk about those being paired together. I think it's also a good reality now that that with Jimmy Butler on the fold that a player like Cousins would even consider Miami like Miami's no longer the destination spot that they once were but I think you added Jimmy Butler and all of a sudden already you're starting to see potential repercussions from that in a positive way and that you know a player like Cousins who you know was with Jimmy and and the team USA that won gold a couple years ago is starting to consider the possibility of coming here and I think that's a little self-serving obviously again a chance to kind of rebuild into shape get some experience, play for a good team. And I think there's a reputation around the league that if you can excel in Miami, there's a good chance that you'd be able to prove yourself elsewhere as well. And and I, and I think that's that's going to benefit him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think from his perspective, again, 
you know, is it worth chasing another title in Los Angeles with Anthony Davis, with, with you know, his former teammate Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and potentially Kawhi Leonard? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the benefit of going there would almost be, okay, well, at least their season's going to be pretty long, and I'll be able to make my way back, whatever that looks like, and, and kind of play my way into shape. But I agree with you. I think Miami, from that perspective, is a good fit. He's, you've seen James Johnson, Deion Waiters, these guys get back into shape. You saw even Dwayne Wade with the help of the Heat's training staff and facilities in Miami, remake his knee and right. extend his career in a way that we never thought could happen. And uh, and I think that could be helpful for DeMarcus Cousins, too. And if you're the Heat, I actually do think you should make this move, if you can get him at the minimum. And I, I agree with you. Don't You can't promise him anything. But look, we'll get you in our house. We'll get you ready. We'll get you in shape. We'll sign you to a one-year deal or maybe a two-year deal with a team option or whatever. And we'll get you back in shape. We're going to fix this for you. And here's one of the reasons why you do it. His agent. Again. You know who else is his agent? Or you know who... So Jeff Schwartz is his agent. He is also the agent of Tyler Hero, who he just drafted. That's a connection. He's also the agent of LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. He's also the agent of Kevin Love. Oh, wow. Look at you putting all the pieces together. This is great. That that is is why you do it. Hey, yeah, I, Jeff, your client can't get a job. We will give him a job. Let's make nice. We're going to get your client a job. We'll pay him some money. And we're going to put him in position to make even more money and use some more money in the future. Remember this when Kevin Love and Marcus Aldridge are on the trade market. Remember this. Um, but let's take a break here, and then we'll talk about some of our early takeaways from Summer League. You're listening to Locked on Heat. For the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked on Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed, at Locked on NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all of the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA's wild free agency. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnNBANet. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We'll talk about Kawhi Leonard's free agency decision later on, but Wes, we've actually got some actual basketball happening. Uh, The Heat are in Sacramento for the California Classic. For our listeners that haven't been watching those games, have been televised somewhat late in the East Coast there and Summer League basketball, so it's not exactly the most exciting, but it's a good opportunity to watch rookie Tyler Hero and some other potential members of the Heat roster. Give us a, a kind of explanation there, because obviously we both covered the Orlando Summer League. We've seen the Vegas Summer League. Obviously, for anybody who's not familiar with the spectacle that is Vegas, it's big, it's hot, everybody's there. There's a lot going on. But the California Classic, instituted for the first time last year, if I'm not mistaken, this is the second mm-hmm. annual California right. Classic in Sacramento. It's a little bit smaller, just a few teams. 
What's that experience like for you? So it's way different than Orlando because when we did Orlando, it's just first of all, it's not open to the public, right? right that's the biggest um, thing. That was the biggest thing, and so you just got like assistant coaches and coaches and front office guys and scouts mm-hmm. just wandering sidelines. Yep. And there just seemed to be, like, passively basketball games happening in the middle of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was really just an opportunity to just talk with people. And you and I, you know, you were walking through the halls and you are able to just sort of pull a player aside and have a one-on-one conversation or pull, you know, anybody aside, a reporter or a front office person and just talk. And it's really informal. And I really like that about Orlando. I'm, I'm really sad that it's gone because uh, it was also a good excuse to go back to UCF. But... Um, in Sacramento, it's the opposite. It's all, it, it feels like a game. Like the, the way that they put on the entire thing is just like a game. Honestly, I, I was there this week, and I know they're showing it on TV. You get just as much of it on TV as you do when you're there. There's really not even a whole lot of people there. It's only four teams. It's not like the front It's not front office executives aren't flying in from all over the country, so it's not great for networking. It's kind of the same reporters who are just there during the regular season games for mm-hmm. Sacramento Kings games. So, I don't know. I just, it's really, I was kind of, I'm a little disappointed by it. I would rather it be, a, in, and it is also open to crowds. So, fans pay for tickets. The concessions are open. It just yeah. feels like a regular Sacramento Kings games, but the, the players are all a lot worse. And, <laughs> uh, which is saying something. But, overall, I think the Heat, it, it's cool that the Heat are there. You know, yeah. it, it's it's good for me because I obviously say I live out here. And so to have them there and then have them also be in Vegas, you get to be exposed to the Heat a little bit more. Uh, so that part's cool. And then just getting to see Tyler Hero's first NBA action, that was pretty neat, and talk to him afterwards. Um, and I think some of these summer leaguers for the Heat could be real important players for them. Uh, not only on the roster, because you've got guys like Yante Maiton and Duncan Robinson who are trying to earn real contracts mm-hmm. after the two-way contracts. Uh, but there's some guys who can be, be the next two-way contract guys uh, mm-hmm. and then fill out the the Sioux Falls Sky Force team in the G League for them. Well, it's kind of benefited Miami to to be part of the California Classic because, as you were explaining to me before, their travel team has been there since last week, and they've been actually practicing with the guys in the summer league roster, kind of building up for these games, and then yeah. they'll move on after uh, this uh, tonight to go to Vegas and, and start you know getting ready for the, that action. But let's it's, get into some. It, of that. It's crazy though how much the Heat care about this. Like Eric Spolster was there; he flew across the country. For these dumb summer league games, and I'm going to be honest, I think that means something to the players, though. Like from the, the players' does. perspective, I mean, from not just Hero, he's going to have a spot. He's going to see Spolster up in his grill plenty over the next year. But for guys like Chris Silver and others that are just fighting for a job, I think, uh, I think those that kind of interaction and learning from a guy like Spolster, who's coached Hall of Famers, who's won championships, who is the you know, the mentee of Pat Riley himself. That kind of connection, uh, I think, speaks volumes, and and that's just the way that he does things. So while Luke it seems Walton like... wasn't there, Luke Walton wasn't there, and he, he coaches the, the Kings. He he's lives good in coach Sacramento. In arena. I mean... Yes, I don't know if he lives in Sacramento. I actually really want to know if Luke Walton is moving to Sacramento. You would assume he would. It's got to ha- okay. Let's say he'll rent a place there, but he I, might I, rent I mean, a he might rent one of the condos near the arena. But yeah. I know that he lived. So when he coached the Warriors before he went to go coach the Lakers. When he coached the Warriors, he lived in Walnut Creek, which is in the East Bay. Right. And I know this because I would see him at the Starbucks that I used to go to every once wow. in a while. That's random. It's super random. Um, really nice Starbucks, though. <laughs> well, good enough for both 
Luke Walton and Wes Goldberg, I think. I mean, it's got to be like that's that's where you're called West, isn't it? That's, uh, that's that might have been the yeah. That I'm actually that's almost every Starbucks now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on from Starbucks, as much as we don't like their coffee anyway. Um, what have you seen from Tyler Hero? I think obviously that's a big story there. We've seen him struggle a little bit. We've also seen him shoot the lights out. I think let's let's get into the shooting because that's the positive, and then we'll get into the negative. He kind of started off a little bit slow, wasn't able to finish at the rim particularly well, but then we see that jumper from the perimeter, and it's as wet as we would expect. Yeah, he played two of the three games, to be clear. He didn't play in that second summer league game. Um, he played Wednesday afternoon and actually hit some clutch free throws at the end to win that game. And so he's a good shooter. You know, he, We knew about the free throw clip coming in, 93% or whatever. Uh, free throw shooter that's going to translate that doesn't change you know at the NBA level and the shot looks really good and I think the takeaway for me is after the first game um, we were talking with Tyler the beat reporters and me and one of the reporters asked him about um, catching off or shooting off the catch versus shooting off the dribble because in that first game he would just sort of I remember Jason Williams used to do this all the time. Just sort of dribble up the court, and if you gave yeah. him a little bit of space, would just, like, crank it and just go. And right. Steph Curry has introduced that into his game, Damian Lillard, and I think a lot of guys kind of stole that mm-hmm. from Jason Williams. He used to do that all the time, and Tyler Hero does that. Like, if, if, you're, if you're just not paying attention, you're just sort of backpedaling on defense, and, you're just, and you give him, you know, four feet of space instead of two, he'll just launch it and just try to make you pay for it, which I love. I freaking love that. And and he was making them. He made a lot of them. He made two of them in a row at one point, and the Sacramento crowd started going crazy just because they want to see anything exciting because it's summer league. Right. And so uh, we're, again, asking him about that after the game, and he's like, actually, I'm more comfortable shooting off the dribble, pulling up from three, than I am in catch and shoot. I'm actually working on catch and shoot. Like, that's, that's the part of my game I'm working on, which you never hear. And I was talking with... Um, uh, I don't think he'll mind me sharing this. I was talking with Cooper Moorhead, who writes for Heat.com. And uh, I was like, have you ever heard that before? And he goes, I've only heard that from one person. And I even told you this, David. I've only heard that from one person. Luke Babbitt was that way. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, Luke Babbitt never got to shoot off the dribble. He never had the ball in his hand. <laughs> he was only catch and shoot. That shocked me. And I don't want—I don't mean to turn this into a Luke Babbitt podcast, but... Um, Which is fine and would be at the top of the iTunes charts. Yes. But, yeah, I thought that was really interesting from Tyler Hero. And uh, and he's open about the stuff that he's working on. Like, he, he's like, I got to get better coming off of screens. And uh, so the shooting is going to be there. I think there are definitely concerns with him getting to the basket. He The the lack of athleticism that we talked about in our blue, note, uh, blue notebook scattering report is very, Trevor. very apparent, yeah. even in the summer yeah. league, which is not a great sign. He's not going to be able to get to the rim. He's going to have to learn to basically get into that. You know, if, if he attacks closeouts, he should attack closeouts with the intention of kicking out, not attack closeouts with the intention of finishing at the basket, which is very valuable, but it does it, it's not going to make him a primary scorer. Um, and so I think that's going to be a concern for him. And then defensively, he really needs to tighten up the fundamentals. He lunges a lot on his closeouts defensively as opposed to short-stepping his way to the, the three-point line. Um, he's constantly looking over to coaches uh, for direction. 
and that's okay. You know, this it was his first couple of NBA experiences with a new team. I think he's getting to learn Miami system. Like they were trapping. This is the crazy thing that the Heat do. They're trapping and blitzing certain ball handlers other players. Yeah, they play. They're playing zone. Like they're doing crazy stuff. And and look, you got to appreciate. But that's what them summer league's for. Some, you're right. You're right. It's just. The other teams aren't using it this way. This is why the Heat are the Heat, right? And they use this stuff. So um, I get that. But he's going to have to. But just even basic fundamentals, again, like closing out correctly, uh, switching correctly and calling out the switches, uh, communicating more at the defensive end. He needs to tighten all that up. Do you see that he'll have the ball in his hands more often then, given his his comfort level with with shooting off the dribble like that? I think so. I, I, I think so. I mean, when when he gets to the, when he's playing with the Heat, it's going to be Justice Winslow and Jimmy Butler, and if Goran Dragic is there, Deion Waiters if he's still around, those are going to be the guys that are going to be above him in the totem pole. But Tyler Hero is going to get his opportunities, but I, I think that and his dribbling, out, his dribbling really, is, is ball handling suspect, right? Like it's not like as tight as it should be. I actually have been pretty impressed with it, but again, it's summer league. You don't have like the longest guys swatting at the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, I saw some careless passes from him. He turned the ball over a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. That's I just, it. And that's because he'll get in the weeds. Uh, like That's when he kind of just sort of just gets into the thickets of the defense when he's driving a little bit too much. He needs mm-hmm. and he needs to be more decisive. Like When he dribbles, again, have the intention of dribble and kick out, not dribble and attack the basket. He's going to have to figure that out. Uh, one thing he does really well also, he he's really good at running in transition. So I could see him... And just finding spots and knowing the spaces, like a slot receiver, just finding the openings in the defense. And if you, could, I could see him, you know, playing off of Justice or Jimmy, pushing the ball in transition off of a rebound, and just flying to the right spot and getting to that right spot, or and and you know either hitting it in a catch and shoot, which he's working on, or they're pushing the ball off of a rebound, or they're pushing a break off of the rebound, and you and you could kick out, you could do a kick ahead pass to Tyler to half court. Why, and, and just kick ahead kick ahead that transition opportunity, speed it up a little bit, accelerate it a little bit, because he can shoot off the dribble. So you kick it ahead to Tyler, maybe at half court, as opposed to in the corner, when he flares out, you get it to him at half court, and he's able to take a couple of dribbles and pull up, and then boom, boom, boom. You've got a real quick transition opportunity, and you're generating more fast break points. I could see that being a big part of his game. Well, Heroes is certainly getting a lot of opportunity, being that he's a lottery pick and a rookie, so... Uh, you know, he'll get a lot of chance to kind of continue to develop this in, in Vegas. But has there been anybody else in Sacramento that's kind of stood out? You've got a roster full of other guys there. Duncan Robinson, Yante Mayton. Uh, yeah, anybody there that's... Duncan yeah. Robinson, Yante Mayton. Yante Mayton, I think, should be on the roster next year. He's got... I don't know if this is going to surprise or even resonate with Heat fans. A very Jamichael Green type of game. Okay. Just a guy. He's he's a small ball four forward, versatile. He could shoot the three a little bit or at least is willing to. Um, you're not going to ask him to do too much, but he's a big stout body. You can kind of move him around defensively. He's just a good bit player that can unlock some lineups for you. Duncan Robinson has been awesome. I think I would argue he's been Miami's best player during summer league. He's really worked on attacking closeouts. He's Wait, really, you were talking he's about Mayton being a Jamichael Green guard, just to specify. I was talking about Yante Mayton. That's right. Okay. Duncan Robinson. and But for Duncan Robinson, I think he's been Miami's best player in the summer league. He he. I was really impressed with him last year in Sacramento. But he was kind of just coming off of screens and shooting threes. This year he's coming off of sh- screens. He's looking for the three. But when guys attack him and when guys close out on him because they respect him now from that range, because he's kind of a known guy in, in summer league now. He's been there for mm-hmm. a year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll attack closeouts, and he's really comfortable with the ball in his hands, and he's made some nice passes, uh, nice dump-off passes, nice kick-outs off of drives. I've been really, really impressed with Duncan Robinson, and his defense has come a long way, too. He's communicating. He's leading things. He's switching uh, timely and precisely. I think he's going to be really good. All right, I don't know. I think he's going to be a nice player for the Heat next year. He should be on the 15-man roster. I've been really impressed with him. But that's kind of it. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is putting up a lot of big stats. I think they're a little empty calories. His ball handling isn't nearly as good as I think people think it is. Mm. And even though the assist numbers are up, he's a really clunky passer. And his mm. feel for the game overall is clunky. He just... he You can kind of see the, the wheels in his in his head turning as the game goes. And he's just... He's a little too clunky. I don't love his feel. I, he's he's an okay shooter. He's not a great shooter. He's got okay size, not great size. I, he 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 strike. I think Heat fans are excited about him, but he strikes me as a guy who's going to put up really big numbers in the G League. That's probably yeah. about it. So is he? Well, he's not a candidate for a two way contract. Is there anybody on this roster that currently stands out as a potential two way candidate? Not really. Okay. Not really. I can maybe. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Heat give a two way contract to a big man because they have. That's not something they've done. I wouldn't consider Yante Mayan a big man necessarily. Like a big man like uh, Mayo, who a lot of Heat fans were excited about. Would you give a two-way contract to him um cook was a big uh, deal for them in the g league in sioux falls last year maybe you reward him with a two-way contract i would not be surprised if the heat got impressed by somebody else in vegas or even right now in sacramento and offered one of those players that didn't make a roster a two-way i kind of see that I, I think that's where they're gonna end up well we're looking forward to hearing the rest of your takeaways as you cover the team in vegas but let's take a break and coming up Should we get used to the idea of Kawhi playing with LeBron and the Lakers? That's next. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Kawhi Leonard is in Toronto. We know this because Canadian news cameras and helicopters were stalking him, spotted his plane landing on Wednesday at a Toronto airport. We're going to have... And, and that's where he's going to have his final free agency meeting with the Raptors. I still want to hold out hope that the Raptors can re-sign him, David. But, but everything that everybody's hearing, and I'm hearing this at Summer League, is that he's going to the Lakers. And I said it on this week's Locked on NBA that I'm actively rooting against that happening just because I want more competitive balance. But if you put Kawhi, Anthony Davis, with LeBron in LA, they I guess... You, you have to look at how the rest of the roster shapes up, but I, they're going to be the prohibitive favorites. And I kind of want to see more balance. I want to see Kawhi go to the Clippers or, or stay with the Raptors and make a contender out of those teams. Uh, but I'm actively trying to talk myself into it because it seems like that's going to be what happens. And I don't want to be disappointed when it happens. And I'm trying to talk myself into, okay, LeBron, Kawhi, Anthony Davis. That could be really awesome just to watch those three guys play. Because uh, I just don't want to be disappointed when it happens, David. I don't know if disappointment's the right term for it, right? I mean, it should be a fun team. Like, 
like so much of this past year was so drama laden, especially when it came to LeBron and the Lakers tenure and how he fits in. Does he not play defense anymore? The injury issues, Space Jam 2, all the crap that goes with Lakers land and, and the the feeling that they would be, you know, big players in free agency. And of course, the Anthony Davis saga, there was so much going on that we get we kind of got, got bogged down in it and got tired and forgot that watching LeBron James, as we should know in Miami, was probably one of the best basketball experiences there has ever been. Like, he is a fun player to watch playing basketball. And now he has at least one Hall of Fame level, level teammate there that is also very, very good. For all the drama that he experienced in New Orleans, we kind of forget Anthony Davis is probably a top five, six player in the NBA. Yeah. And so that pairing alone... You could surround him with just another cast of characters, Rajon Rondo. No, oh, Jesus else. Christ. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the reality. That's right? the I mean, first think... way to ruin it. That's why. <laughs> look, but it doesn't matter because that's. Look, people probably knocked Mario Chalmers being part of the Big Four. I mean, that's. Well, just they the were reason. sorely mistaken. Of course they were, but they didn't know it at the time. And, and like, I Chalmers is available. Yeah, I don't know that the Lakers are <laughs> will, willing to make that move, though. I, I mean, they I, I, I could see it being face. a. Yeah, I could see it being a good fit, but I just don't see it no. really happening. Um, just, I think they they better learn from the Rajon Rondo experience, even if he might make sense theoretically, which I don't think he would, um, because Kawhi and LeBron need the ball in their hands. Just you can't do that if you're Rob Blinka. But I don't want to go into a Rajon Rondo direction. Well, I don't. I, I'm, but I'm with you. I'm with you. From a Miami though. perspective, though, I mean, you know, you were talking about them joining the, the you know joining the Lakers or joining the Raptors personally. I would love for him to go to the Clippers, just one, because it does create that competitive balance you were talking yeah. about, but also it frees up the Eastern Conference in a significant way. Like, if he joins the Raptors, despite the moves the Philadelphia 76ers have made, I, I, I think the Raptors would probably still be, well, you know, that's a that's a close three-way tie there at the top of the East, between Milwaukee making some significant moves, the Sixers... Oh, I think it would clear... I think you're talking about Kawhi leaves Toronto? No, if he joins Toronto. If he, if oh, he if he stays to Toronto, in Toronto, it's those three. If he leaves Toronto, it's Milwaukee and the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so, from a Heat fan perspective, you're kind of hoping that he goes to the Clippers, I think. I mean, or the Lakers, you couldn't probably care less. But I think the Lakers is a fun, big draw. They'll be on TV. We saw how that played out. Even the Lakers last year, when they were <laughs> particularly bad and they had LeBron James on that roster, they were on the TV constantly, I think. Yeah. So... You know, I, I wonder how that would change with with Kawhi on there. Oh, it was I, I just, think... they would they would add more games to the Lakers schedule. They, they would <laughs> they would get them on TV every night. Every every game would be a back to back. Their preseason games would be on ESPN. I think. So. Yeah, I, and this is why this is what I'm trying to do, and I appreciate I appreciate this. I'm trying to hype myself into it because I don't want to be disappointed when he does it. Everybody was disappointed when Durant went to the Warriors. Everybody was disappointed except for Warriors fans. You weren't? No, I was not. I, I okay, I just I don't. I want I want it to I'm excited for the season to be wide open and to me it feels like if the Lakers get Kawhi and they have those three guys it's not going to be wide open and as much as people want to say look they got to figure out the rest of the roster do they like how much of the rest of the roster I know there's 15 guys on the roster but it's really only seven that you need Toronto only played seven guys in the playoffs when it really mattered you only, the Heat the big three Heat I mean they would go with six guys a lot of times. You know, and you really only need probably seven guys. And if three of them, if 50% of that almost is Kawhi, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. And by the way, Kyle Kuzma's there. He's a good player. Yeah, I forgot about Kuzma. Yeah, and most look, people do. 
And so <laughs> it's you just you add one more, I guess, a guard to that lineup. If you're able to go get a Kyle Korver or an um, you know, uh, Iman Shumper, guys that have got playoff experience, Andre Iguodala. There's rumors about him. I mean, yeah. if you make if you make like two of those, oh, okay, signings, and you just fill out the rest of it. They're going to be really like they're going to be. I think the obvious favorites, but I don't know. There, it's going to. There's also going to be a year of probably trying to work it out and figure it out. And LeBron, you know, is going to want the ball in his hands. So is Kawhi. Anthony Davis is going to have to get his, and and so there'll probably be, maybe be a year of growth. Um, you know what? Screw it. I'll be excited for it. Either way, I'm going to try to get excited for it. I I also am actively rooting for LeBron to get the six rings. Because I don't want that to be the only argument against him and Michael Jordan. I just want them to have the same amount of rings, just so that we can have a real conversation about it, instead of people just yeah. being like, "Well, six. So we will not have the same. We will not have that conversation because there will still be the the four losses in the finals. Yeah, that's right. Because he got to the finals. Losses, on like Jordan five losses. Did. How many losses in the final? I mean, six. more than Jordan. Wait, he lost with the Cavaliers. Yeah, he lost with the Cavaliers. Lost twice with the Heat. And lost three times and with the Cavs. So yes, six losses. He's three and six. six, in the, six. In the, that's what it is. In nine yeah, finals so if he gets to six and six. Six and six while wearing number six. Are you cool with him yes. wearing number six? Have we talked about this on the show? No, we have not. Uh, am I cool with it? I'm, I'm detached from it. I, I think, like, he was such a great player in Miami. It, it's hard for me. I think I think we are probably more on the uh, still pro-LeBron end of the spectrum. I know there are still people with lingering resentment towards LeBron James in Miami and, and probably among our listeners. But to me, like, I, I mean, the, the 2014 reverse decision was probably the last time that was significantly emotionally invested in, in, yeah. in the basketball. And, uh, you know, I'm just not sure anymore at this point. Uh, you know, if he if he wears a six there, I, I don't see a connection to the six that he was here. You know, that's that's the whole thing. If he wears the six there and wins and the championship, the thing, right? he'll win more. Thing, right? Yeah, he's gonna. He, well, he tweeted out six with the prayer hands emoji or something. Um, if he wears the six there and wins a championship, he will have. Oh no, he's already won more championships in in the number six than he has in the number twenty three. But he's probably gonna go to the Hall of Fame with the number twenty three, which is weird uh, because he wore number six internationally. He wore number six in Miami where he won two championships. He's going to wear number six when, if and when he wins championships with the Lakers. Like it kind of feels like number six is his number, not number twenty three. Like if you if you stacked up the number six LeBron James resume versus the number twenty three LeBron James resume, the number six LeBron James is way better than the number twenty three LeBron James. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, we're talking about individual brilliance here. That's this is look. We're talking about resumes. Mean, we're talking about resumes. He's won you know, gold medals oh, wearing number six. He's won championships. He's won finals okay. MVPs. Well, let's let's take MVPs. out the medals part here because you know. So what? Like, honestly, like I mean, Mike. I don't. Do you, what number did Michael Jordan wear when he was an Olympic player? But it doesn't matter because Michael Jordan was always twenty three, except for that short time where he wasn't, where okay. he was forty five. But the but, but that's the point, though. It's like we're, we can't just start picking and choosing what we include. No, no, no. But the forty five, the number four, the number forty five number, Michael Jordan didn't do anything in. <laughs> Nobody associates him with forty five. I know. That's the weird thing about LeBron is that he's associated with twenty three, but he should be associated with six. Well, he his wore for ten out of his fourteen-year career. I mean, he's you have to don't you the go into the hall, you go into the Hall of Fame with a number, right? Uh, I don't think you when do you, actually. Is that just the NFL? Yeah, I think that is. I'm trying to think. I think they actually put like a they put like a placard like with your photo on there. Like, 
You know, Pat Riley didn't wear a number. He's in the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. Because it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And so when in the age of free agency, but international players and women's players and coaches and everybody else, Doris Burke's in the Hall of Fame, isn't she? I mean, there's just, there's a lot of different ways of getting into the yeah. Hall of Fame. And I don't know that a number... I don't. Okay. I don't know. No, you're right. I'm looking like at. The, I'm looking at the little plaques that they do. There's no. It's just a name and a birthday or whatever. Yeah, um, that's what I okay. Well, I was mistaken, but I still think that we need to associate LeBron with a number, and he's going to be associated with 23, and he ought to be associated with number six. He should, in the sense that if he wants to separate himself from Michael Jordan, then that's the way to do it. And, and unfortunately, he kind of seems like he's just following suit and, and kind of following in the, in the footsteps of somebody who he'll probably likely never eclipse in the mind of a lot of people. I'm not one of them. I currently still think that LeBron yeah. is a better player than, than Michael Jordan. You've said that for a couple of years now, that you think yeah. that at the end of the day, Mike, uh, LeBron is the greatest player ever. I do. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I you know what? You brought this up earlier, but if you're if you're listening to this and you're still you know a little salty about LeBron and you're still being petty about that whole situation, you just and if you even just actively root against LeBron James, please send us an email or hit us up on Twitter and just explain yourself. And we're not I'm not going to say you're wrong. I am genuinely interested and curious why. I really want to know why. And maybe it's just you and I, David. I don't nope. know if we've just ex- uh, removed ourselves emotionally, but I feel like I'm still emotionally invested. I was pumping my fist at the Jimmy Butler thing. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah, okay, still emotionally yeah. invested in the yeah, heat. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So do I. So, so I, you know what it is? I, I you don't know what think it is? that could it's, be it. It's the betrayal. It's the act of the, the alleged betrayal in 2014. I've been betrayed so many on. times. I have been betrayed. You're jaded, moments. though. You're broken. That's not the I same thing. I am a broken like... man. And I just, <laughs> I just expect it. And I used to, and by the way, I still haven't had huevos rancheros ever since that summer. <laughs> I, I've told that story on the podcast, and I think only 20% of people listening know that story. I, I actually Tell it again. Try. Tell it again. Uh, uh, so, And we'll end the show on this story. Um, <laughs> it was a summer of 2014 and we were taking a road trip and and i was in oregon we were taking a road trip from the bay area up to the up up to oregon then we're gonna go beautiful part oh my god yeah so uh we stop for we're we're taking a road trip we stop for breakfast slash brunch you know it was kind of a late breakfast at this place on the side of the road in oregon that was actually recommended to us because they have great mexican breakfast Nice. So, and most Mexican restaurants aren't open for breakfast, and this place was, and I was very excited about that. I also had never had huevos rancheros in my life. You know, I'm a little point. salty you didn't recommend it to me when I was up in Portland a couple of years ago. I can't, I cannot remember the name probably because I blocked it out. Um, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, I go, so we're sitting down, I'm like, you know what, I've never even had huevos rancheros. This didn't occur to me, there's no reason why, I love all the ingredients, Mexican food's one of my favorite foods, I love eggs, it's one of my favorite foods, I love breakfast food. It's a combination of all the things I love. Beans, everything. Um, just never really got around to it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I never had this before. And they're like, well, now's the time. I was like, great, great point. The Huevos Rancheros comes out. First time I'm ever having it. I'm super excited. You've got the refried beans, the eggs, the tortillas, the salsa. They had with sour, uh, sour cream and guacamole they served it with. I was very excited, all jazzed up. I've got my fork and knife. I'm ready to go. And as soon as I'm about to, to, to cut into the egg... The phone alert goes off. Boom. ESPN. LeBron James leaving the Miami Heat to rejoin the Cleveland Cavaliers. I haven't even taken a bite of this thing. And that thing goes off. 
Actually, no, I take that back. I took one bite. I remember this. Now I remember this. I took one bite, and the thing goes was, off. Was it I, good? Was it good, that one bite? Or do you great. not even remember it? Okay. It was bittersweet. It was bittersweet, David. That was the taste in my mouth. And I just dropped every. I dropped the utensils, and I was like, this is what I get. This is what I get. I The first time I have huevos rancheros, LeBron James leaves. And I have not had huevos rancheros since. I love huevos rancheros now. I think it's a great meal. I think it's a great decision for breakfast. But I owe it to Heat Nation to never eat that again. Because the next time I eat huevos rancheros, I'm going to get an iPhone alert that Udonis Haslam is retiring. Or that Dwayne Wade is coming back, but he's going to join the Lakers instead. Or something crazy. Like Eric Spolstra resigning from the Miami Baller. Heat. This is a start here. Come on. I think now is a, a it's clean break. It's not worth the risk. I didn't think LeBron was leaving. I didn't know what was possible. It's just not worth the risk. What? What? Could, my phone could go off and I could say Eric Spolstra resigning be, over differences with the front office. That oh could God. happen. The NBA is crazy. I don't know. Okay. I don't want to find out. I don't want to find out. Wait, Mr. Right. Chairs, bad luck. I, <laughs> I have taken that. I, I am wearing that. To my grave. I will not eat Wayo's Rancheros again because if I do, I could let into all of Heat Nation down. And it's not, I'm not willing to do that. We're, we're all, I am selfless. We, thank you for your service. <laughs> That's it for today. You can connect with us on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email us at lockdownheat at gmail.com. We'll be back later in the week with a mailbag. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining me, David. You know, I don't think I've ever actually had Wayo's Rancheros. Maybe I'll try them and find out what happens. No. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.